0: Hello, and welcome to the Silent
1: Truth Podcast. I want to talk about it from this perspective. I want to say that pornography destroys us.
0: What does pornography teach? Sex outside of context, sex without meaning, sex without connection.
2: Sex trafficking is actually driven through the porn industry. There is help out there. There is a way
1: out of that addiction. Are you ready to get help? Are you ready to take the first step and ask for help?
0: Warren's hiding something. Let's talk about it. Hello, and welcome to the Silent Truth Podcast. My name is Warren Davey, and I am your host for today's episode.
2: Hi, my name's Tashara, and I am your co-host. And today, we're going to be interviewing Pastor Brian Paget. He was one of the speakers at um, the Silent Truth event, and he talked about basically the effects of pornography on society as a whole, and yeah, we're just gonna be asking him a couple questions today, well, more than a couple, but we're gonna be asking him some questions today, and yeah, we're excited to jump into it. All
0: right, Brian, good to hear from you. What's that? Good to hear from you, Brian.
1: Yeah, hey, I'm excited to be with y'all. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, of course, of course. We really, uh, we really liked hearing what you had to say at the uh, Silent Truth event, and we're excited to follow up.
1: Yeah, well, I'm uh, honored to have gotten to be there, and I think it was a really good night. And uh, I'm glad there's still some, some other questions that we could, could get after. So thank you guys for doing this to allow the conversation to continue on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who were not at the event, uh, we had audience-submitted questions uh, just to see uh, some interaction between the speakers and the audience. We, unfortunately, were not able to address every uh, question during the event, So right now we're going to be asking follow-up questions from the audience too, uh, starting with Pastor Brian. All right, Brian, are you ready for the first question? Yeah, let's do this. All right. So this is an audience submitted question. It says, uh, what does it look like when you and or your significant other have struggled with porn and are looking towards marriage or are already in marriage? What safeguards and steps should we take as a couple?
1: Yeah. So, um, if you're looking toward marriage already in marriage, uh, honestly, they're, they're going to be very similar. Uh, I mean, the first, the first step is acknowledging, right? Either there's an issue, whether it's you or both of you, uh, you and your, uh, whoever you're dating or your spouse, once you've acknowledged, okay, this is an issue. And, and I, I stress that because not many people think it is, or, they think it's such a personal issue. They won't talk about it with another person. They think, Oh, it doesn't really affect them. It's just an internal thing when it's out on the table and very public and open. So that's one of the first steps to take to safeguarding things is putting it out on the table, putting all your cards out there and going, I'm not hiding anything here and understanding that this is, uh, it is an addiction, but it's, uh, it's one that is destroying the very relationship that you're, you care a ton about. And so when, when that's out on the table, when you have, that honesty and that, that confession, acknowledgement of these things, <clears throat> you can begin to move together toward health and restoration. Now, if it's one of you, uh, in the case, in this case, not both, um, you know, for the one who is in, in the pornography addicted to it and watching it and engaging with it, uh, it is, it is essential that you, you know, set up safeguards on your internet, your phone and things of that nature. I'd mentioned at the, uh, silent truth conference, uh, you know, getting covenantized. And uh, it's, a, it's a software that tracks what you're watching and disseminates it to accountability partners who can see what you're watching too. There's other blocks out there and things of that nature, uh, parental controls, and stuff like that, that might be wise to have someone else do that for you. But taking those measures, say, okay, I, I, this is easy. I want to cut this stuff off. But the deeper issues are those things are still there. And there are things that trigger it and make you want to go back to it and everything else. And what you begin to do is slowly start to acknowledge those things. And, um, and maybe that's not necessarily with your person you're dating or spouse right away. Maybe it's talking to a trusted friend and saying, Hey, look, I keep having these desires for this. And that leads to this and this, this down these different paths. The further back you go, you start to get closer to what's driving all of it. And when you're there, uh, you've, you've kind of hit a point where you're getting close to that fullness of health and restoration all along. It's happening. Um, but there's many victories and many failures along the way. Now, the one who's not engaging in that, it's harder um, because there there has to be forgiveness. There has to be the ability to see that this is not something that they want. If it is something that they want, there's a whole other conversation. But this is something they're fighting. It's something they don't want in their life, and they see the effects it's having. It's a, it is affecting you, so to act like it's not would be foolish, but to step into that um, is really hard, but there's gotta be forgiveness there and the ability to look at them and say, I'm for you and I'm fighting for you. I'm with you in this. Um, and so there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust issues. Uh, but I think those are, when those things are starting to happen, you're starting to move in the same direction. The question is how long does it take you guys to get on the same page in this fight for freedom from that addiction? Um, and sometimes, uh, it, it goes really, really bad. Um, it doesn't have to, but sometimes it does. And, uh, but you'll know along the way when it starts to, uh, you start to really have some healing and wholeness there in that relationship. Uh, and then hopefully it comes a day where, you know, you're completely free from it and your spouse completely trusts you, um, you know, and you're not even having to wrestle with that anymore. That's where I'm at with my wife as we walk through that ourselves. Uh, but today, I mean, 11 years later, I've not looked at pornography. And if there's even the temptation, I still acknowledge those and confess that. Like, hey, I don't want to mm-hmm. wrestle with this, but, Um, yeah, that's a long answer to that question, but, uh, I, I, it's going to look different for everybody, but I think these are some major points along the way you can look at. Is there honesty about this? Is it repeated honesty? Is there acknowledgement on the one who's done it that they've done wrong and that they're affecting the other person? That's a huge deal. And then the one who's being affected, um, being able to come to a point where they can forgive them and step into it with them and fight with them. Uh, realizing they don't want this um, and working together to get on the same page for their for their freedom of this,
0: <clears throat> yeah, I absolutely think that's right. You said there's uh, lots of major points that need to happen, and I think absolutely like you said, that first step that first that first uh rung on the ladder needs to be talking about it with someone needs to be open conversation uh, I think we we were having a conversation earlier uh you and I were and and you mentioned that recovery and healing has to be a marathon you know if you if you want to stop looking at porn that's a one-time decision you know but the the healing process the recovery is a marathon not a sprint and i think that was really wise of you to say
2: yeah i agree well yeah thanks for answering that um did you have any more to say or we did you want to go no, i was going to say the second?
1: marathon piece helps because marathons are really difficult, right? They're really hard. You have to push yourself and times you just want to give up. And, and so one of the keys of that there in a to successfully run a marathon, right? You have a team of people that are there encouraging you and helping you along the way. It can't just be your, the person you're dating or your spouse that you have to bring other people into it. It, it. You know, it's all it takes a village kind of thing. It, it, you, you need good friendships. You need people that, that are for you, believe in you trust that you're going to be honest with and then you got to be honest with and it's hard work but people that are going to be there for you when you fall flat on your face again and go okay hey um but sometimes we don't do that we we so internalize it and try to make it our own little battle Uh, but there's great victory in friendship so
0: yeah absolutely absolutely a good support network is is critical in this Okay. Our next question we have, uh, this comes from something you specifically mentioned during the event. Uh, you shared a little bit of your testimony, a little bit of your story and mentioned how porn robbed some of your feelings towards your wife. Uh, and this question kind of elaborates on that. The question is, how did you get your desire back for your wife, uh, after porn stole it? I feel I have already lost mine.
1: Yeah. Um, and to the person that asked that, I would say, um, I, I, you know, that's, that's a very vulnerable thing to just come out and say, Hey, I've, I've lost, I've lost my desire for my wife. I'm sure you're in a really difficult position right now because what it sounds like in asking the question even is that you want it back. And so I want to encourage you that desire to to have that desire means you have that desire. <laughs> you, you want that desire back. And so you're not ready to leave your wife and run away from it, but that is a hard thing. And, you know, with the in the case of me and my wife, um, again, is his, that whole marathon, it, it's been built over time, month by month, year by year of when you cut those things out of your life, you can actually begin to focus on restoring those desires for your life. And, and depending how deep you've been into it and how far along you are, it, it you didn't get there overnight and it's not going to change overnight. <clears throat> There's a process to it. And <clears throat> Um, I think acknowledging that you don't have that desire, maybe not necessarily saying that to your wife, like I don't desire you. That's probably not a wise thing to say, but again, <laughs>
2: yeah. this, this I wouldn't might,
1: like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to win you any points, but it, it's one of those things that, Hey, this might be a deal where it's time to sit down with a counselor, uh, to go to someone deeper than just even a friend who, who has some training in this kind of stuff. Cause that probably means it's gotten to a point where if you've lost all desire for your wife, it, it ain't just your wife. Uh, if the next you go leave your wife right now and go to another one, it's going to happen again and keep happening because they're never going to fulfill what pornography has tricked you into thinking you need and, and want. And so I, I just think there's times where you got to have the humility to say, you know what? Like I need a, I need a base of friends. I need to bring my wife. I need to confess to her this is going on. And then I need to let them know, like, I've got to go get help. I, I need to go talk to someone who's more trained than my friends and my wife and lay this stuff out before them in a way that's a, it's a safe environment. There's confidentiality and they're just, they're there for you. I mean, you're paying them to be there for you. So um, <laughs> yeah. I, it's hard to do that and get to that point. makes you feel like you're a weirdo. You're crazy. But um, if you really long to have those desires restored uh, and to have a healthy marriage, healthy relationship with your wife, uh, I think if that's true, you'll do whatever is necessary to, to get to that position and, I, I would just say I'm not even one that can answer that for you. I don't know entirely. I know what, what it was for me, and there was counseling involved with it. It wasn't a uh, licensed, licensed counselor who were doing this thing but that I went through was more in a group, but um, that was a big, big part of it. But it was step-by-step step with my wife, owning and acknowledging things and understanding that, no, she was the desire. She, I longed for her. I hated all this other stuff, and so I didn't lose it fully. Um, but if you're there, that's, that's the time to throw your hands up and be like, okay, I, I'm not, this is farther gone than just, I'm battling this. It's, I've succumbed to it and I've lost desire for actual human relationship with my own wife. And, um, and there's people that can help with that, and um, bring some honest healing and restoration. So that would be my advice there is, uh, take it a step further Again, have a friend base, you know, bring your wife along on that as much as she can. Have the have that support or network around you because I never recommend people do counseling on their own. I always say you need a support base around you because the counselor is paid to give you an hour. And you need somebody who can have the humility to walk through and say, hey, here's what they challenged you with. Here's what they told me. And they'll hold you accountable to what you learned uh, in your counseling sessions. And so, yeah, <clears throat> that's how I would advise yeah. that one. Anyway.
0: Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point uh, mentioning that the first step has to be cutting out pornography. Uh, you're not going to be able to fix the issue if you're not addressing the root. If pornography is a thing that's poisoning your relationship, it doesn't matter how much antidote you chug, you know, it doesn't matter how much counseling you seek. If you're not cutting out the root, if you're not cutting out the poison, if if you're continuing to intake that poison, the antidote's not going to do any good.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's all of that is like, really good. Um, so for the third question, a person asked, if I'm single, but am a heavy porn user, what are ways I can move towards healthy relationships with others?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, the single piece uh, is interesting because um, <laughs> you know our society has taught you that if you're single, you kind of have a disability. And, mm, and 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 what the cure for your singleness is is uh, a partner and sex and intimacy that's how you really experience love in our culture and so imagine being single uh you we can't we, we we get terrified of the thought of being single and never getting to experience sexual intimacy with someone else and there's a lot of reasons for that one is uh you you're, again, you're disabled, you're, you have a disease or something, there's something wrong with you. I can't people ask you if you're 30, why are you still single? You know, and, or you, I got somebody I want to set you up with. Everyone thinks that you need a partner, a, a buddy, you know, a mate for life. And so the, the first thing I would say is, if you're single, you need to understand that you're a whole person right now. Like you're, no spouse is going to complete you. There's no one out there to complete you. That's all nice Hollywood jargon, but it's not real. It's not true at all understanding that you're a whole person right now and as a whole person, uh, and I mentioned this in the talk, like you, you've been given dignity and worth by your creator. That's not derived from anywhere else. Like the fact that you are different than all the other creation out there in the world, that sets us apart. There's a dignity and worth that comes with that. And so treating your own self with dignity and and worth uh, and, and value it's also extremely important. It's part of understanding that you're a whole person as a human being, whether you're single, married, whatever. And then inside of that, then understanding the effects of porn, as we talked about. right? So if you're a heavy porn user, uh, again, as I said with all the others, <laughs> you got to stop. you got to just stop. Like You've got to cut it off and work to cut it off and do whatever is necessary to, to block as much of that coming at you as possible. Because it's coming at you every day, whether you're on the Internet or not. And uh, again, building those relationships. So the other thing is that you're single. Um, and that word, that word single tells you everything you need to know about what's wrong with our society. Right. So when we say single, it means you're you're a standalone. <clears throat> and it's not good that man should ever be alone. No, no man or woman should be alone. None of us lives in isolation. And so when we say single, we say well, you're one. The reality is, is that we can't function without community. And so as someone who's not in a dating relationship or a marriage relationship, uh, you're still not without community, and you're not even without intimate community. And the problem is, in our society, we, we don't see intimate community done well between uh, friends or stuff like that without thinking immediately that must be something sexual. Like, they must love each other in a mm-hmm. sexual way. So two guys that are really close, we have to assume that they must be gay. Why? Because they don't, we don't know how to do intimacy. We don't know that there's actually other ways of doing intimacy and being in deep community with one another and dying one another. And so the problem is that if you're single in America um, and nobody's dating you and nobody's with you and everything else, the reality is you've kind of been fed a steady diet of, well, you're kind of a loser. And if you want to fix that, you know, and make yourself feel valued and loved and treasured and adored, well, here are a bunch of websites to you know go knock yourself out and be satisfied, and then it's a sick myth because and then you you engage this stuff and you just feel awful and guilty and shameful and everything else, and now it's affected all your relationships around you. And so, giving that up, quitting that, putting the safeguards in place—all that's important. But um, you fight that by by looking for like true, deep friendships and greater community uh, of people, knowing that. Your whole as a human being right now. You're, you're as a person, you're not incomplete. You're not lacking something. Uh, and so you don't need progress. You need real friendships though. Um, we were, we were created to live in community. That's why you're born to a mom and dad and a family. Like that was all that saying that, Hey, you're, you're dependent on others. Uh, and so you, the battle is not going to be won, you know, uh, fighting this alone, as I've been saying all along, like you've, and the danger is that the more you stay within pornography, the more you're harming your most important relationships. Um, and it's going to come to a head at some point. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to get really ugly. Uh, so if it has gotten there, again, seek counseling, get help, deeper than just the friendships that you have. But if not, fight that, that uh, overindulgence in pornography with a, with a great uh, pursuit of important relationships in your life. Make, make room for those in your life. Um, and I kind of alluded to that on, uh, at the panel, just saying, hey, maybe what you need to do is call up a friend and go for a hike. Like, just get out, go somewhere, go do something together, go talk about something else, um, and not, uh, you know, keep trying to fight the battle on your own. Yeah,
0: and I think that brings up a really good point, because pornography doesn't just hinder relationships with significant others. It doesn't just inhibit romance, it inhibits real-world relationships, even even with friends. You know, it, it drives you into isolation. It drives you into being by yourself. And so being able to address that as a community and being able to focus on on friendships is really a good good way to fight the, the ill effects of pornography, I think. I think you bring up a good point with that.
2: Yeah. So our fourth question is, what does the Bible say about porn?
1: What does the Bible say about porn? Well, interestingly enough, uh, the word that is often translated for fornication or sexual immorality, is the Greek word porneia, uh, which is exactly the word that we use for porn or pornography. Um, and so the word in the Bible is all over the place. Uh, you'll see it often translated as fornication or fornicator or sexual immorality. And it's really an all-encompassing word uh, for anything outside the bounds of what God designed sex to be. Typically, if you study, you know Genesis one two, uh, sex was designed uh, as a gift from God for the enjoyment of a man and a woman in a covenant on a covenant relation called a marriage, and it was for, it was for pleasure, but it was also for procreation. Um, it's the only way anyone can procreate is be a man and a woman. It, it, those are the two necessary components to uh, reproduce and multiply and fill the earth as God had commanded them to do, and so. When the Bible addresses things like pornea porneo, whatever, uh, fornication and sexual morality, it is speaking of anything, uh, outside the bonds of God's designed purpose for sex. So pornography itself, uh, is, I mean, you could just translate it as it's, it's, it's literally fornication. It is visual fornication. You're watching and engaging with this while you may not actually be the one in there doing what's going on, you are watching and engaging with it, entertained by it, enjoying it, and even sometimes yourself, which when you self-love it's a very self-focused, self-absorbed, narcissistic way of loving yourself. And you're not really loving anyone else, you're just loving yourself, which is uh, exactly the opposite of what sex is meant to be. It's supposed to be two people in a covenant bond uh, intimately involved with one another, which that covenant provides a I kind of only really see it as like a circle around them that is a safe space for them to be vulnerable and naked and unafraid and trusting. And, and when that gets violated, that becomes a major problem. And so even within marriage, you can have fornication, right? You have adultery. You have a guy looking at pornography or a woman looking at pornography or prostitution or different things that are going on. And so, <clears throat> yeah, the Bible has a ton to say about it because it's literally all throughout the scriptures. Um, and so what happens is people hear that it's like, oh, here we go again. It's just another sin thing. You know, here we go, just a bunch of sinners. And it's like, we, okay, but if we understand what sin is, is sin is, you know, hey, here's this kind of goal and you've missed it. You've missed that mark. Um, it's not just sin. It's rebellion. God has said, hey, it's this way. And we said, you know what, forget that. We're going to go our own way. And so when we choose our own path, um, you know, we, the proverb comes to mind and says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And I think for many, unfortunately, they think, well, pornography is the safe route. It's the, it's the way to do this if we're going to do it, where we can really enjoy the benefits of sex, but we don't have to get STDs or get people pregnant or doing these other things. And, and now, finally, the world is catching up to an understanding is that, no, it actually leads to a great deal of destruction. <laughs> and, uh, and it is prevalent and is all over the place. Finally, people are starting to call for this to be considered a public health crisis because of how destructive it actually is. And all it just goes back to and affirms is that, you know, what the Bible says is that God created this to be a a gift that is to be discovered and enjoyed in the bonds of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman for the purposes of pleasure and procreation. So pornography is all over the Bible in that sense, um, and it is completely um, identified as sin and a rejection of God's intended purposes in the world.
0: Yeah, and I think that's absolutely a good observation of even if it doesn't affect you physically, even if you're, you know, not getting pregnant, even if you're not getting an STD, like there's still emotional and mental uh, and even spiritual uh, havoc uh, that's just brought about by pornography. And I think we as a society, as we're beginning to put more focus on mental health issues and, and on emotional health, I think beginning to recognize that, hey, just because you're not getting pregnant by watching pornography doesn't mean that it's not having negative effects in other parts of what it means to be a person. You know, your physical body isn't all that you are. You're so much more than that, and just because porn isn't affecting a certain part of you doesn't mean it's not harming you in other ways. I think that's so important to recognize.
1: Yeah, I, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that any time in my life that I've experienced anything sexual outside of something with my wife, I have felt shame. I felt gross. I felt like a pervert. I felt like a freak. I felt shameful and guilty and depressed and everything else. Not once, and and when I'm intimate with my wife, and I, like do I feel that way? Um, and it, and it's crazy how you know because you think oh no, it's just it's just it's just a feeling and it's like it's not. We're embodied souls, and the most intimate thing you can do with somebody else is be naked in front of them and engage in that kind of relationship and that kind of, you know, bond. It's the most vulnerable, the most intimate, the most sacred kind of thing you can do. And and we take it and just, that's what I said in the in the talk, we we cheat. It's cheap sex. Like, it's like fast food sex. It's like everyone's just, oh, I just want the, you know, you want the cheap stuff that fills you up real fast, but it does nothing to satisfy you. It's not good for you. It, it's actually destroying your inside. It's messing everything up. We just don't see it as that because we don't see the immediate effects, just like we don't with fast food. Like, hey, if you keep eating this, you're going to die of heart disease at a really young age. Like, well, it doesn't feel like it. Well, yeah, it doesn't feel like it. And then all of a sudden you're dead at 45 of a heart attack because you ate like crap the entire time. Well, you should have probably listened.
2: <laughs> but, so,
1: but we're so arrogant. And so we don't listen to that because right now it feels good. It feels fine. It's not really affecting anything. And most people, the unfortunate reality is most people aren't going to go the route of, trafficking women and getting with prostitutes and raping women. So they're like, well, see, I'm not doing any of that stuff. It's not bad. They don't realize what's happening more and more. there are like fewer like marriages, more and more marriages are struggling with sexual intimacy as the rise of pornography has gone up. That's the history of the world. You know, And that now you've got husbands that lack any sort of sexual drive whatsoever and their wives get figured out and they look like the ones not. Trust me, this is happening. Women now look more like the ones that are like sexually hungry than men. And historically, it's always been men are not the only one who ever want is sex. More and more men don't want it. <laughs> and things are shifting. And, and, and the woman who desires that intimacy, it now looks like that she's become this sex crazy. woman. She's not. She's actually desiring normal intimacy. It's just his has gone down so much that now he just, he's tired at night, just wants to go to bed. He's exhausted and he's not. And this is in marriage relationships because of the effects of pornography and that's even for people that haven't looked at it a long time, uh, then just haven't acknowledged that Mm. what they looked at years ago is still actually affecting them to this day. We're embodied souls. You do not look at pornography in a vacuum. It is affecting everything about who you are as a person and the relationships that you'll be developing or are developing with people right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. And I think that's just such a wise observation into, what it means to watch pornography you know it's it's more than just something that goes in your eyes uh, and then you just leave it there you know it it lingers even when you close your computer it's still there um okay so we had we had one final question uh from the audience um and so the question is what are the first steps to take to gain control over a pornography addiction
1: yeah so as i've kind of already mentioned i'll add this quickly the you know, one, acknowledging it, getting it on the table, uh, in front of other people. So start with yourself, be honest with yourself going, okay, this isn't okay. What I'm feeling is a good indication. If you've gotten to the point where you don't feel any sense of shame or guilt or anything like that, and you're just like, whatever, uh, you're probably not even listening to this podcast is my guess. You're so far gone now. Uh, you're probably not even chiming in on this. Now, if you are you're not so far gone. If you're listening in, you're not that person yet. And the reason why is because something brought you here. And my guess it's your conscience to go, well, let's just go listen and see. And what I would say is be honest with yourself. Own it. This is a problem. This is something that is destructive and you can't just shake it as much as you've tried, as much as you wanted it to, you can just kind of succumb to, well, this is just what it's like to be a young man or a young woman. Well, it's not. Uh, that's not what it's like to be. That's not what it has to be. And so I think owning that and acknowledging it, then I would say getting it on the table in front of really trusted and close friends, not a bunch, keep the circle tight, you know, two to three people at the most uh, that you trust and can say, look, I need you guys to know this. I need you girls to know this, like, uh, and keep it same text and going, Hey, I need you to know that this is a battle. My the reality is they're probably going to turn around and say it the same thing. You might've just opened it up for them. And now you guys are getting to battle this thing out together in your webinar. And so having that friend group, that that tight-knit, just a few people that you can trust that are going to be there when you fail, when it does happen, and it will. Uh, and they're going to remind you of, hey, we're here for you. We're, we're with you. Get back on your feet and let's do this. Let's walk together in this. Um, so, like Acknowledging it uh, you're on your own, acknowledging it before others. If you are married, acknowledging it to your spouse as hard as it's going to be. And it is going to be difficult if you've never talked about it the person you're dating, and it's going to be extremely difficult. If you're not willing to go to those extremes, you're probably not ready to walk away from it. Um, If you're serious about it, you're going to go to those extreme measures. The other thing is I'd I'd get stuff on your computer uh, that helps block certain things as best as it can. Like I said, Covenant Eye is a great way to have accountability. It's not blocking anything per se. I think it blocks some things, but it's accounting, like it's tracking what you're watching and sharing it with other friends. Um, there's other blocks that are out there, safety blocks, parental, uh, parental controls that you can have others set up for you so you can't go in and change it But just help. Uh, that, that's not going to do anything but m- modify your behavior a little bit. Uh, and then because you've done all that and cut some things out, you need to begin the really hard work of doing the opposite of looking at pornography, <laughs> which is if you're investing all that time and energy trying to find relationships that online, these, these pornographic images that make you feel like you're in control and you're uh, loved and you're being comforted and you're always right. and You're always adored. They're never going to reject you. Um, relationships are messy, but if you're going to be serious about overcoming it, um, replace what you've been spending hours on end looking at with hours on end, investing in important relationships in your life, call up a friend you haven't talked to in a while, take someone out to lunch, go for a walk, go, go play a sport, or whatever. But to invest in those relationships and understand these face-to-face human relationships are extremely important uh, for your health overall, uh, for your well-being, and just to protect you from all this stuff where you can rightly view women, you can rightly view men, whereas porn is destroying that. Um, and so I, I, I mean, like if you're a Christian, you, you, I would just say, look, you need to be involved in the local church. You need to be a member there. You need to be known there. You need to be a part of the life of what's going on there. And, not be afraid of these things. I know it's taboo to talk about sometimes, but uh, you need to talk about it. You need to get it out in the open. It's it's a reality. Um, it doesn't no have good to pretend. If you're not a Christian, um, my encouragement to you is, again, find those close friendships with people uh, that you can trust and start there. But I think those are the first steps is building that support base, acknowledging these things, and then really working hard to develop those relationships and create healthy healthy relationships to counter the destructiveness of pornography, uh, the desires are still going to be, the temptations are going to come and you have to get to the point where you're acknowledging even those. Uh, but those steps that I would take, I mean, there's not a, I don't have an ABC list. If you'll do, you know, one, two, three, four, and five, you'll be pornography free for the rest of your life. Like this is going to be a daily battle. Like this isn't one of those ones that you just kind of, you know, 15 years later, look back and go, man, that's not even a temptation for me. It's a temptation all the time for me. And I haven't looked at pornography in 11 years, (laughs) uh, but it's a daily battle. It's, it's lurking at every moment to kind of lure you back in the pornography industry spends billions and billions of dollars every year, helping to develop television shows and movies in Hollywood that we watch. They're the ones that are funding a lot of these things. So you don't think they're out there trying to draw people. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, and so I think making wise decisions, you know, um, And I always kind of tell people, I use people's moms all the time. It's kind of weird, but, you know, put your mom on covenant eyes if you're that serious. So she sees everything you're seeing. That's kind of uncomfortable, but you could do that. Um, Think of this, like, if you're going to go watch a TV show or a movie, would you watch it with your mom in the room? Or would you feel a little shame and embarrassment that you're looking at these images and watching these acts that you shouldn't probably be watching? And just mentally getting there to go, well, why, why would I feel that way in front of my mom? Because it's not something in you saying this isn't the way it's supposed to be. This isn't right. This is shameful. Um, and what you do with that next is either justify it, which we all do really well. And so that way we can try to hide the shame or we just go and do it. And then we go coat the shame with some other sort of medication or alcohol or other drugs or whatever. And I just think there's a greater deal of freedom out there to be discovered if you'll walk in healthy relationships um, and walk away from those things. And so it's it's hard. Uh, there is no Clear cut. Well, this is the, do this, 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 and this. Everything's gonna be good, but uh, you've got to commit to doing the hard work and bringing others along with you, or you won't be able to do it.
2: Yeah, I think one thing you said that was um, just like it really resonated was the importance of community and how much freedom that community brings, whether you're a Christian or not, um, and how much like our society puts importance on romantic relationships and how if you don't have that, then you're single when reality is, whether you're in a romantic relationship or not, you're not doing life alone, or you shouldn't be doing life alone, Um, but even if you're not in a relationship like that, you should have people around you that are involved in your life, and that have, like, investment in that, and you should have investment in theirs, and, like, vice versa, Um, just to, like, help maintain having healthy, uh, just, like, communication and relationships with people and others, and kind of combat that dysfunctional part that pornography plays in so many lives yeah i thought that was i thought that was really cool
1: um yeah so the irony right in all this is what i'm saying is is pornography is destroying our important relationships our romantic relationships community the anecdote is actually to pursue community to pursue important relationships like the, the reality is that it's get off of the two 2d images and all this stuff that is harming you and go invest in actual real relationships with people that uh, are going to continue to affirm who you are and affirm the dignity and worth that you carry and everything else. Uh, they're going to have hard conversations. So like pornography, they never argue with you. They're, they're always there. They always want you. They always, but that's not real. That's never anybody's real life. Um, it's all just a myth. And, uh, we keep buying it all the time and thinking, oh, we can control it, we can manage it, we can do all this other stuff, and not realizing it's it's absolutely destroying the very relationships you should be spending time investing in. And so the weird thing is that y- y- the answer is to do the very thing that you're destroying <laughs> is those important relationships.
2: Yeah, that's ironic. Um
1: So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, me personally, uh, my, my relationship uh, with Jesus Christ has been the important relationships has been crucial in this. I mean, I don't know that these things are even wrong. I, I didn't understand how they were until I started seeing it in the scriptures that, you know, Jesus is teaching us a way, his way, that is the right way, that is the godly way, is the way that honors God, but it's the way that's right for us. And the whole point of him saying, hey, if you believe in me, you'll have life. Well, life is this whole true real human life that we've never experienced before because we're all broken. We, everything we do, we go the opposite direction. We break things and fracture things and ruin things. But Jesus is offering us this whole life, this real life, this true life. And he's saying, look, this is the way, trust me. And part of that trusting is walking in obedience and saying, okay, I trust your ways are wrong. And when we do that and begin to value him and his in our relationship, then what do we start to do? We start to submit to those things and walk in those things. It just affects the way we treat and view other people. And so that's how it worked out in my marriage, you know, just realizing that Jesus is the one giving me a new heart for my wife and a new mind to see uh, women in general and men in general and everything else uh, and not see everything as sexualized and objects of my affection and everything else. These are real human beings that are uh, that need compassion and mercy. That need to be challenged on things. They need to be called out on things because we're we're in this together. And so, that, that's a personal testimony. People don't have you know, if somebody doesn't believe they don't believe that. I would plead with you. I would love for you to to, to trust and obey Jesus. But uh, that's I guess if I was going to end it, that's how I would say just kind of my own personal story of how that has played out in my life and, and why now investing in those important relationships has become even more possible for me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I think that greatly contributes to what our goal here with the Silent Truth is. Uh, we believe porn's hiding something. You know, let's talk about it. And so, if you would like to start that conversation, uh, if you listening back home uh, would like to have an opportunity to open up with someone, talk to people who uh, have looked at the statistics, have looked at recovery methods. Uh, you know, we're familiar with Covenant Eyes. We're familiar with uh, other programs that can help. Uh, block pornography on your computer and on your phone so you can take those first steps towards recovery if you're interested at all uh, in any of this we would love to connect with you uh, you can find us on facebook at uh, the silent truth uh, or on instagram uh, our handle is at silent truth 20 no underscore no spaces uh, but again this has been uh, pastor brian pastor brian Paget of stillwater oklahoma uh, pastor brian thank you so much for speaking with us today
1: yeah, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed all this, and uh, I hope, uh, I hope, yeah, I hope some people find great freedom uh, in their in their lives here in the weeks and months ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll be back with you uh, two weeks from now with another great podcast. Uh, until then, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, see ya. Okay, great, Brian. Thank you so much for talking with us.